You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and we are here for our summer movie season, finally. Well, didn't say there were going to be new movies, but we're going to be talking about some great movies that we haven't talked about on the show before or stuff that Ashley hasn't seen and, you know, just stuff it's going to be fun to talk about. And this is going to be interesting because it's the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It should be a lot of great times and we'll find out about everyone's ex-evil boyfriends or girlfriends, you know, depends, you know, on your, how it goes with you. You even find that out in this movie a little bit. And, you know, I'd be very interested to find out about Mike Gordon's ex-evil girlfriends. Mikey Gordon, tell us. Howdy. Uh, there's not, uh, yeah, no one, uh, I I might be someone that's an evil ex, uh, but uh, I don't know that I, well, maybe a couple. Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> maybe a couple, but Michelle Michelle defeated them, and uh, they, that, that wasn't a problem at all. I, oh God, I wouldn't want to get on Michelle's bad side. So no, I could understand no. her taking care of him just like that. That's Absolutely. pretty awesome. You doing okay, sir? I am. It's uh it's crazy time, but it's always fun to come and chat about movies. And yes, I mean, I know that uh, the summer movie season is not what we had hoped it would be, but I think we're going to take, have some fun, take advantage of uh, the situation and review some Hopefully, great movies. We'll see uh, as uh, as the weeks go on. But yeah, we're gonna do some summer movies, and uh, they're gonna be some interesting picks coming up in the next few weeks. Oh, definitely. We definitely have a lot of fun stuff lined up for you guys, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at EarthStation One at esonetwork.com. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know how your years of 2020 are going. You know, we definitely would love to. You know talk to you love to hear from you and if you ever want to sit on the show with us we definitely would love to you know hear back from you guys we did got some great feedback about us doing our facebook live last week and it was a huge success and it was a lot of fun that people who talked to us the people who you know interacted and just watched us it was pretty it pretty awesome and a couple folks have come to me and said it's neat seeing what the podcast is like raw because we get, you know, we hear it with the music and a lot of the ums and errs and cursing, you know, just like, you know, instead when we curse, we have the black box over our mouths and, you know, we go, you know, so it's pretty awesome. And it's a, it's a neat experience and we'll be playing around with it more in the future. And, you know, if you liked it, let us know. What were you going to say, Mike? Absolutely. We, uh, no, I, I, I just wanted to agree with you. It was a fun ex- experiment. Um, hopefully it'll become a, a, a tradition, uh, if you will, or some, a regular occurrence. Uh, certainly, um, you know, we've got some space, I think, coming up that uh, we, can, we can take advantage of one of those uh, at some point, at some point, and do it again. Um, I did want to point out that I did hear uh, specifically from one of our listeners, a good friend of mine, uh, Larry, who who said that uh, 
he couldn't figure out how to make a comment during Facebook Live. So I know we're still all working out the kinks. So that might be kind of uh, uh, not the band, not the UK band that we've already talked about. I've been trying to figure out them for years. Exactly. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, uh, But uh, anyway, uh, he said that, uh, you know, as far as stories that give him hope, he actually sent me and said that, uh, Charles Dickens, the works of Charles Dickens gives him hope, uh, things like stories like Oliver Twist, Christmas Carol, that kind of thing. So he went, he went real old school, Mike. Oh, he did. He went back to the, <laughs> he went so far back. He went to the 19th century. Uh, awesome. That's, that's pretty old, but, uh, you know, times were bad then. So, uh, if Dickens could find hopeful, uh, aspects of those times, then, uh, cause the times might be bad here. But I think I'd rather live now than uh, in Dickens' time period. Yeah, he's going to go get uh, go Elizabethan on our ass or something. Exactly. Like that. So. Exactly. But um, no, I appreciate Larry listening and taking part. We saw a lot of people come in, even if it was for a little while, just to check us out. And uh, we hope that, um, you know, I, I don't know if there was a problem with other folks as well. But we definitely want to try to get you guys uh, interact more with us. So we're working on uh, other ways to do that. Uh, so hopefully next time when we do that, we'll have uh, we'll be able to give word out to you a little bit more, uh, like earlier, so that you can set your clocks for it, uh, put it on your schedule, and then join us and participate because uh, we like hearing from you guys. Exactly. We definitely would love to do it, and we might even pull it up doing it over on Earth Station. Who you never know. There's a possibility. Absolutely. So, so you never know when we'll be popping up. You'll get to see these lovely faces staring right back at you, which is a good thing, as I like to say. But, yeah, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, yeah, we enjoy talking to you guys. We love knowing that you guys are out there listening. It makes us feel good, especially in this day and age, when you just have some real craziness going on. And, you know, it's a great thing to do. Of course, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at Tifosi Optical. Our friends at Tifosi are letting us know that you can get a really affordable pair of sunglasses for only $25, folks. And if you go over to their website, which is tifosioptics.com, you can actually go and put in the address for the coupon, ESO Network, and you can get 10% off your order. So with summer coming and some to some parts of the country, it's already here. You know, get yourself a really cool pair of Tifosi sunglasses. They come in really cool colors. I got myself a red pair with uh, red lenses, so I get to see the rosy side of life. It's pretty cool with that. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty cool. And, you know, just help, help support the ESO network and, you know, helps our station one. And you get a really cool pair of really durable sunglasses. And, you know, I've worn mine a lot going out and everything and people have been saying they look really cool even judy said it and if she said it you know it's got to be really awesome so pretty cool with that all right let's get started with this week's rants and raves and we're going to talk a little bit about the new cw show star girl that's right one of jeff john's personal projects and this is interesting for me it has a really big place in my heart because I am a huge golden age DC hero um, fan. And I just loved 
the whole Justice Society, the Golden Age Flash, the Golden Age Green Lantern, Hawkman, and everything. I'll have to show you guys next time when we do the podcast. I, they just came out with a Golden Age Green Lantern Funko Pop, and it's on order. It should be here any day now, so I'm actually looking forward to that. So it ties right into Stargirl, so it's pretty awesome. And Stargirl is probably now what about 15 years old, her character or so? uh actually more like uh 20 really um believe it or not um uh um robinson uh james robinson who was writing jsa uh at the time uh offered jeff john's co-writing duties on jsa in 2000 based on his um idea for stars and stripes um so he had pitched that to um an editor at dc like a year a year earlier so yeah the concept's been been around for 20 years um and like you said it's a it's a concept that is really uh close to jeff johns's heart uh in particular uh because it is uh, a tribute to his sister correct Mm -hmm, exactly his younger sister who passed away Yes. And, you know, basically that was the character of Courtney was based off of her. Yeah. So, um, so this is a very personal project for Jeff. And, and uh, for those people who don't know, Jeff John's written a lot. Like he just like 20 years ago, he kind of started at DC and then he just kept rising, rising, rising. Um, and, uh, now is, uh, like I think he's his technical term is it CCO of DC Entertainment or something like that, right? Creative Chief Creative Officer, something um, like that. Uh, I know that he's got a uh, writer producer deal with Warner Brothers as well and DC Entertainment. So um, uh, he's worked on a lot of uh, like creative consultant for for the movies uh, for uh, the DCEU movies uh, to some you know to mix success. I think the first one that he was a co-producer and creative consultant for was the Green Lantern film. So, uh, yeah, Oops. that's a way to start. That's a way to start. Uh, but um, you can definitely see his influence here. Mike, I don't know. I know you were reading. I know you're a big JSA fan. Um, you were reading the James Robinson run. And did that did you go right into the Jeff Johns run from there? Oh, too? yeah. I literally, I've read from justice society number one or jsa all the way through when it became justice when they rebooted it became justice society and it was just it was great even i read justice society all stars which featured uh star girl also yeah you got uh star girl got her own her own series uh called stars and stripe mm-hmm. um and uh and that was based on the um star spangled kid and uh her stepfather um uh well the second star spangled kid which we look at as star yeah because yeah it's too complicated to get to get into the whole the whole starman legacy here uh but they they changed it up yeah we won't get into that yeah exactly because it's really confusing there's there's a lot of different like incarnations of starman but uh in any case Mm -hmm. and i'm fans of those too uh the the james robinson run on starman was incredible 
I think that got him the JSA gig, right? Right, because uh, originally in the initial lineup when they brought the JSA back, Jack was part of the yeah. was a, a member of that, but then he gave the staff to Courtney. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, we're big fans of the comic, uh, big fans of Jeff Johns, and so uh, when we found out this was going to be a series, uh, originally it was just going to be on the DCU app. But I think uh, Warner Brothers is kind of disappointed in how the DCU app is, uh, DC Universe's app is, is performing. So they open it up. Plus, they need programming for uh, the CW network now. So they made the call. This was uh, early on, though, before that, during the crossover even. They made the call that they were going to bring Stargirl to the CW as well. I think you can watch it. Yes, you can watch it on the DCU uh, Universe app like the day before without commercials. And then you can watch, then it uh, premieres on the, that episode will premiere on the um, CW the next day on Tuesday. Um, this was, we first saw a clip of it at, uh, during the last crisis on infinite earth, uh, the crossover, last crossover. And it was established that this was not going to be part of the Arrowverse. This is its own separate universe, right, Mike? Yep. It's now it's earth too. Basically, they I don't established know if they've a, said that, have they? But they did maybe. in during crisis. Okay, during crisis they did. Yeah, because when uh, Oliver recreated the universe, he did create a new multiverse, and they showed all the different planets. And when they said Earth Two had the Justice Society on it, and it actually showed the Justice Society standing with Courtney and Stripe. So we we look forward to it. Uh, it premiered about three weeks ago. And uh, Mike, what'd you think? Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, I was a little hesitant, you know, because, you know, I've seen the previews, seen the trailers. And, you know, the very first episode, they're literally killing off the Justice Society. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, no. And it w- I was in geek mode. The very first scene, you know, you see Wildcat being thrown out of a building and you know laying there it's just like that's ted you know it's like that's ted it's awesome you know and then you get to see all the other ones and you saw green flames shooting out of the the house and everything it's like that's green lantern oh that's cool you know and it's just it's like it was like a total geek moment for me and it was awesome to see Solomon Grandi, and it was also neat to see the wizard, and of course Icicle and Brainwave, and you know the Huntress, and also uh, Gamesman, or was it Sportsmaster? Sportsmaster. Yeah. So it's just it's just interesting to see, and these are all classic heroes and villains from the Golden Age, and it was just it was just awesome to see on the TV screen. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it was a bittersweet, right? Because as JSA fans, it's like, oh, we get to see the JSA. Oh, they're getting their ass kicked. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, but that was cool. And then we get into the, the main part of the show, which is the origin story, really, of Courtney Whitmar as Stargirl with, um, uh, you know, her, her stepfather, uh, Pat Dugan, uh, stripe C AKA stripe. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, I think it's well-written. It's very close to the source material, uh, very close to the comic series that Jeff John introduced, uh, with introduced these characters and developed these characters. 
with with uh, the relationship that they have. Um, I, I don't want to give any too many spoilers about the comic because I think there's some stuff coming up that the show's going to deal with uh, that they're still kind of working out. But um, but it's got a you know it's kind of got a it's got a DC feel to it. It's kind of got a Buffy feel to it. That's that's I mean not kid ourselves. It's got this like girl in high school that is a superhero kicking butt right so <laughs> she is oh. she is the one mm-hmm. any pretty much any you know story that has you know an action-packed high school hero everyone goes oh, it's just like buffy it's awesome yeah well i mean buffy kind of set the tone well she, um she's the template i i think one of the things that I noticed that Buffy immediately had that this show kind of needs is a little bit more work on the secondary characters. Uh, as far as uh, like her high school friends and some of the other people in the town and even more of her family, I think they could do a little bit more work on developing them because I don't really, I, I you know, we see Courtney a lot. We see uh, Pat Dugan a lot. And we see the villains a bit, but we don't see really anybody else and get to know anybody else yet. And this has been like three or four episodes in. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I see that it's coming because where the show's going, it looks like, um, and this is a minor spoiler, but uh, it looks like they're going to reform the JSA with high schoolers, which I don't know how I feel about, but um uh, we'll see how that goes on as, as, as uh, if, if the rest of the show is as good and as interesting and as entertaining as these first few episodes have been, then it's going to be fine. Cause I think it's uh, it still manages to connect with me and I I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it. I'm liking where it's going. I like the little Easter eggs in it. I like the little things. If you know, you know, anything about the comics, you're going to go, oh, that's kind of cool. Even when they were at uh, JSA headquarters last week and, you know, when Courtney was basically robbing the place of all the hero stuff and, you know, when she took Johnny Thunder's pen, you heard the little laughing from the uh, genie inside of it and everything. Yeah. And it it was a lot of fun to see. And, you know, I'm going to jump in and say, you know, the villain, Icicle, he has the true villain feel to him where he doesn't think of himself as a bad guy. He thinks he's doing something good for the people of America. And, you know, even his wife made him promise to keep going forward with that. It's going to, it sounds like it's some devastating plan that's going to devastate and hurt a lot of people, but to him, it's going, you know, helping the country and everything. And that's the sign of a good villain for a story and a well-written villain too. And that's a sign for it. Absolutely. Certainly better than like, dare I say, Icicle was ever written in the comics. I, I never thought of Icicle as being like the mastermind behind uh, the injustice society, but um, you know, we'll, that's interesting choice. Uh, we'll see, you know, the uh, injustice society is uh, made up of some characters that I don't know, maybe they felt like they couldn't use or, uh, I don't know, because originally it was a bunch of Flash villains, so obviously you can't really go there without rewriting, you know, some of the, the work that the other CW shows have done. So I think they're trying to go with, um, you know, some of the other uh, characters that haven't been used yet. And Icicle is is interesting choice. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, they're, they're keeping very, very 
um, if you go back to like the 1940s, early 50s with the Justice Society, the lineup of the Injustice Society is pretty much what they had in that first episode. Um, I know they're supposed to be introducing a couple other villains into it that weren't part of it, but they were more part of like the all-star squadron and stuff. So it'll be very interesting to see. I know that the, I know that the first injustice society was uh, Vandal Savage, uh, wizard, uh, brainwave, thinker, gambler, and uh, was also the Degaton. Yeah. Uh, Not in the first wave. Nope. Nope. I know they also brought in Huntress later. They also brought in yeah, Fiddler, Sports Matter, uh, Sportsmaster, Icicle, Harlequin, kind of join later. But right. um, but it's all you know, it's all good. It doesn't like it doesn't matter. I think um, uh, look, uh, Wizard, um, I've always thought was a formidable uh, villain, but um, they took him out in the third episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Spo- spoilers there, but uh, oh, yeah. we've been spoiling uh, it already anyway. That was heartbreaking, you know, when the wizard's son was killed in the third episode. This, that's the thing. This series has got, like, uh, some emotional weight to it already, I've noticed. Um, I mean, sure, it's kind of fun, but um, but it's already kind of, like, gone there. It's gone, actually, actually kind of, you know, had some characters die and shown that the stakes in this are real. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting going forward because you don't know who's safe and who's not as far as characters go. And uh, I want to, on a positive note too, I want to say like one of the cool things is the design of Stripe. I mean, it's right out of the comics. He looks great. The special effects on the show are, are amazing. Oh, very much so. It looks just like the comic book. And which is really nice. Also, the effects that they've been doing with the cosmic staff is pretty darn yeah. awesome too. And everything, yeah, like, everything I, is. I like how they gave it its own personality too. So that and that, they didn't have that in the comic. That's right, only in the TV show. And yeah, I think you're right. I uh, it's been a while since I read the comic, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it. Uh, uh, I seem to recall she was the only one that could use it, but. Um, yeah. Um, her parentage is still up for debate. Um, uh, obviously, they've uh, suggested that she is uh, Starman's daughter in the show. I don't think that's how it pans out in the comic. I'm pretty nope. sure I know who the, ba- the, 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 the actual dad is. We'll see how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, I like that the, uh, this is not an episodic show. Or this is not a show where it's like, you know, you can just watch one or two. Like, it's a story that's being told through each episode. You kind of have to, it's, each episode is a chapter of a longer story. Uh, so you could tell it was done for, like, a streaming service rather than, like, you know, the CW network. Uh, because each show, like, you can't just jump on a C, like, show episode three or four or something. You kind of have to watch it as it plays out. Um, it's filmed in Atlanta or actually just South of Atlanta. Uh, Some it's got, so it's got that small Southern town feel to it, which is a really interesting idea. And some of the, it's got this really like fifties vibe to it. Uh, You know, fifties, early sixties with the the small small town America, basically small town rock and roll with the cars and the, and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the juke joints and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's got it's got that feel to it, which is kind of interesting as well. Uh, but even the logo, 
uh, is changed for the show because their logo is a lot different in the comic, and they made it like sort of this uh, this six uh, this fifties font like you would see in a in a on a car or something like from the fifties. It's really kind of cool. So anyway, um, I, I give it a thumbs up. I have enjoyed it so far. Uh, I recommend people check it out, even if you've never if you're not you know, if you're one of those people that's like oh I I watched the Arrowverse stuff and. Some of it I like, some of it I didn't, and I'm I'm just I didn't I wouldn't know what to do to jump on here or whatever. Stargirl is you don't have to watch you don't you would never have to see in a superhero show in your life. No, and you can not jump on and watch Stargirl. No, well, exactly. It's open for it's a all ages type show, yeah. but you know, but it's a CW show, so they'll have you know some kind of romance, and so you know eventually in there, you know, because he was kind of she was kind of flirting with the one kid who was nice to her, you know, and it it ended up being that Icicles kid. So it's yep. awesome. So it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. And you know what? 13 episodes. We got that to look forward to. So it'll be fun to see what we got, but we'd love to hear from you guys. Earth station one at ESONetwork.com. Let us know if you've caught up on it. If you've been following it, your thoughts, let's take a quick break. And then we are going to look at Scott Pilgrim. Boom. Hey, weird podcast people. Join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here. Got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? If I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band. Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, one! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're going to date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time... If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo! Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? (laughs) 
are you doing? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. All right, boys and girls, it's time to get your quarters in order and make sure your evil ex-boyfriends are all in order also to make sure we're ready for them. Let's talk all about Scott Pilgrim. I have been looking forward to this. It's hard to believe that it's been 10 years since uh, this movie came out. Um, And what a 10 years it's been. Man, it feels like the last few months have been 100 years. So, uh, so I don't know. But in any case, uh, yes, we were slated, as we said at the top of the show, we were slated to originally uh, do our review of Wonder Woman, the new Wonder Woman sequel this week. But instead, we are celebrating the goodness that is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And of course, we've got our movie people here to take part in that discussion. Ashley Pauls is back with us. Hello. Thanks, as always, for having me back. Thank you. And, and and how have you been? You know what? It has been an interesting year. Not necessarily in a good way, but <laughs> we're we're getting through it. So hanging in there, everybody. We're we're all in this together. It it does feel like a lot has happened since we've last met here. Um Yes, uh, for sure. And we also have Alex Autry joining us. Uh glad to be here. And glad to have you, sir. And uh, let's get right to it. And let's talk about the uh, the box office, such that it was for Scott Pilgrim. Um, ooh, this this one hurts, man. This one really hurts. <laughs> so uh, Scott Pilgrim was released August thirteenth uh, of two thousand and ten. So uh, roughly two months before the original release date for New Mutants. And. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> my predetermined dig at them um no uh the movie uh had some tough competition uh that opening weekend because it was up against a small film called the expendables oh wow yes um and Which so was made for about half of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah half um, the money. yeah this was yeah uh, the, this one opened up uh at, at 10.6 mil uh, which is respectable for a small film niche kind of story, um, and overall did a gross of thirty one point five million, uh, which was enough to say that it made half of its budget back. <clears throat> that uh, that hurts, and uh, they. I mean, this, this was not just a little movie for uh this studios um they thought this was going to be the big one uh they man they i remember san diego comic-con they pushed this hard it was all over san diego and in a lot of ways this movie affected uh san diego going forward i mean this one plus i think a few more years suddenly uh the, the studios realized wait a minute uh, just because we promote something hard at Comic-Con doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do anything. And look at all the Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, right there. So, Well, yes, of course. Um, and, Snakes on uh, a plane. Yeah. Duh. And, of course, this saw the demise of comic book movies. We didn't see another comic book movie for, I mean, we're still waiting for the next one, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, this one, this one really <laughs> proved that uh, comic book movies 
Uh, and, and, and generally, generally uh, products where the last book in the series had not been finished. That's true. Um, you, you, don't, you just don't see that happen no, at no. all. Not with any success. No, not with any <laughs> success whatsoever. And this was just proof of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. The lessons learned here. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's go around and see what your experiences were watching this uh, for the first time, maybe, or what your experiences was when you did finally, when you did see it for the first time, maybe ten years ago. Ashley, what? Uh, if this is your first time seeing it. I actually saw it pretty close to its release. Um, I was working at a bookstore, um, had just graduated from college, and a friend of mine who also worked there really loved the book series, I think. So they were trying to hype it up to get me to watch it. Um, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that the first time I watched it, I actually kind of hated it. And I thought, what in the world did I just watch? (laughs) Um, And I just kind of forgot about it. But I was kind of excited when we brought it up for uh, to talk about it ESO. It's like, you know what? I'm going to try to give this a second chance. And I will say that I enjoyed it much more this time. It's still probably not my most favorite Edgar Wright movie. Um, the Cornetto trilogy is very near and dear to my heart. Like Hot Fuzz is my all-time favorite comedy. So those are a really high bar for me to, to clear for me. But I did really enjoy it more the second time and I picked up some things and some nuances that I think I missed the first time I watched it so really excited to talk about it in more depth did you actually say you hated this movie I don't know if I've ever <gasps> I know I kind of, I did not it did not work for oh. me I was like what in the world have I watched that <laughs> like is, what is that the is point am- of this that is amazing unto itself that is a first I think that's so wow okay but uh, I, w- I wanted to give it a second chance. And like I said, it was much more enjoyable. Um, that was kind of when I was starting to get into movies more seriously. And this time around, it's really fun because I recognize the, a lot of the other actors. Like, it's fun seeing Chris Evans and um, Ray Palmer from the Legends of Tomorrow series. Like, hey, I know those people. So that recognizing a lot more of the actors now that I watch it made it more fun for me. She's too young to call him Superman. I you know. know? <laughs> <laughs> he was good at Superman too, but I really like him on Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, and, and yeah, though the cast, oh, we'll get to it, but man, this is an amazing cast in and of itself, even no matter what you think of the movie. Uh, um, Alex, what about you? So I actually went on a movie crawl. Uh, with my buddy uh, uh, Stephen Fort and talking about and going to see this movie and we did see this the same day as we saw The Incredibles and you know we sat there and we watched both movies and when it was over I remember uh, going to Stephen and going you know uh, both movies were fun and, and they were fine and all but I think I enjoyed the Incredibles more or Expendables more. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I, I can kind of agree with that. And, you know, now looking back on it 10 years later, I'm like, well, I'm an idiot. Um, <clears throat> this movie is one that I think for a lot of people, um, it takes two or three watches to have it click. And and so you do get that either you love it from the very beginning or you really enjoy it to love it later. Um, it, it's, it's one of the two. 
Uh, and and I, I agree with, with Ashley on this one. When I first saw it, it wasn't, it was good. I enjoyed myself, but it wasn't, for me, it, it didn't mean as much as it does now, you know? Well, this is going to be interesting because I definitely <clears throat> want to get into like what changed and what you guys felt at that time didn't work and what you find works now for you. But uh, but before we do that, Mike, what about you? Uh, had you read the books? I have never read the books, actually. I'm actually looking at Amazon right now and looking, oh, I can get it for tw- 27 bucks to get the set of six. Yeah, they. I think they're starting to reissue them in color now, color yeah. versions of them. So, so, you know, I definitely, I had heard about it. I saw the preview. Oh, it looked like a fun adventure movie with some, you know, characters that, you know, with Superman as one of the bad guys. And Chris Evans, to me at the time, he was the human torch, you know. And so it's like, oh, this should be kind of fun. And I truthfully am not a fan of Michael at all. You know, the lead actor. Right. And because I always feel like he plays the same role in no matter what he does. And I I went into very you know, very like, I wonder how this is going to be. And I basically went to see it at Aurora of all places, of course, and fell in love with it right away. It was like, why didn't I know this was a video game movie? Because according to the trailer, you really didn't know that. And literally from, you know, you thought it was a quirky, very avant-garde type film you know, movie and everything. Cause I had loved, you know, Shaun of the dead. I had loved hot fuzz by this point. And I loved, you know, Edgar Wright as a director and I thought he was awesome. And so that's mostly why I went to go see it. And I thought he was really being very with the shooting and the, the different, cause I knew it was based off a uh, anime. And so I said, Oh, he's trying to capture that. And then from the scene when Patel broke through the, the into the concert it was like versus it was like oh this is awesome and fell in love with the movie from that point on and i walked out out of there like three feet off the ground and it was it was an awesome movie to this time if I, it's if i come across it on cable or something i'll you know i'll be stopped and i'm guaranteed to watch the whole thing through i don't know I can't recall 10 years ago why I didn't read the, the books. Uh, I had heard of the Scott Pilgrim series. Um, I think just the first few, the first four, five, maybe more out then. Um, and I think the sixth one came out right around the same time as this. Um, but um, I hadn't read them. Uh, so I wasn't really familiar with it from that front. Uh, and I do have a general nature to support anything that's comic book related. So I think I was interested in that. I was, I, I don't know if I just believed the hype that came out of San Diego or what, but I was, I saw this like right away and I fell in love with it from the minute you, from the second you hear the MIDI version of the universal, uh, the universal. Theme. Oh, like, eight, like, eight, eight pixel. It was awesome. <laughs> like that, like all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is going to be a treat. And uh, I think this is a masterpiece. I love this movie so much. Uh, it was the first movie I bought on Blu-ray. Wow. Uh, 
when I got a big screen TV, it was the first movie I played. Uh, like I just, I just, I love this movie. I think it holds up really well. Uh, I watched, I rewatched it this weekend. Uh, I actually reread uh, all six uh, uh, issues of the comic. I had read them about a year or so after I saw the movie. Um, and so I reread them this past week. Uh, I rewatched the movie on Saturday. I watched some of the bonus features on the, on the Blu-ray. And then immediately I had to stop myself because I wanted to watch, watch the movie again. Um, this movie like charged me up like so much. It charges me up that when I watch it, I immediately want to watch it again. Um, and not too many movies do that for me. Um, I don't know what the magic uh, what the magic is in particular. I've tried to analyze it over the years, but instead I just say, screw it. I just love it. You know, uh, there's a lot to love about this movie, a lot to love, which is I'm interested in. I, and I get it. I get the fact that it's not for everybody. Um, and I know that there's some people out there that the things that I love about it, I can imagine that they absolutely hate it and it annoys the heck out of them. Right, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm kind of curious to hear uh, to hear your thoughts about like yeah so yeah we'll st- we'll go continue so what changed from like what didn't work before that a decade later now has look you look at and go oh okay I get it now Ashley what uh, what what is it is it you is it the movie or what is the perception expectation. It might be a little of both. Um, back then, I'm, I've never been really much of a video gamer, but my husband loves video games. So I know a little bit more of the references now, just like watching him play fighting games. And so that part worked a little bit better for me. It's like, oh, I know what this is kind of riffing off of. Like I've watched over his shoulder as he's playing some video games. So that reference made a little more sense. And again, just, I have more of a connection with some of the actors now. And I think the first time I didn't really connect too much with uh, Scott Pilgrim as a character, just because, um, like you said, Mike, I'm not the hugest fan of uh, Michael Sarah. I love him in Arrested Development, but that's kind of the only role I've really been excited about. But I actually found myself really entertained by the evil exes and almost kind of rooting for them just a little bit. And they're so funny and so over the top. I think that Edgar Wright does a good job of just going for broke. Like if he had tried to dial it down a little bit more, I don't think it would have worked, but he just, you know, kind of throws reality suspension of disbelief out the window. It's like, we're just going to go with it and have fun. Was it wrong wrong of us to cheer when uh, Chris Evans is all the stunt doubles were beating up on Scott Pilgrim? (laughs) I know it's terrible, but like the evil exes are so interesting. Just like what an unusual quirky concept. So I was definitely, much more entertained by that the second time around. And I think it helped having, like I saw it the first times and I hadn't really enjoyed it that much. So I had, I just went in with an open mind this time and tried to see it in a new way. And I think that really helped me to enjoy it more with that fresh perspective. And and to be fair, um, Scott Pilgrim himself is not the most likable guy. I mean, even if yeah. you take Michael Sarah no. out of the equation, like even when you read the books, um, he's your protagonist. He's your main man. He's your title character. Um, and in some ways, I find him really interesting because in some ways I'm rooting for him. In other ways, I'm like, man, if I was a friends with him, I don't think I would be friends with him. Because yeah. it's, just, it's just like not a likable guy. 
Absolutely. I don't think I appreciated that or I picked up on it the first time. And you may even have a little bit of an unreliable narrator thing going on. Like this is from Scott's perspective. So we're kind of seeing these events filtered through his mind and his perception, but it could be a little bit different version if you told it through like Ramona's perspective or something like that. So I don't, there's some nuance there that I didn't really pick up the first time that I enjoyed it more. Scott Pilgrim is not necessarily like the perfect hero. He's a guy that happens to go on this wacky adventure and you'll enjoy it a lot more if you just kind of embrace the quirks and go along for the ride. The first thing we find out about Scott, the very first thing that we find out about him is that he's a 22 year old dating a high schooler. Like, and you're like, ew. Yeah, <laughs> like red flag. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, this is the guy that we're supposed to root for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about you? What uh, What is something, aspect of it that you sort of appreciate it now more? Uh, well, the fact that, you know, you guys have been already talking about it. Scott, Scott's a protagonist. He's not the hero. He, he's the protagonist. You, you don't have to be both. Um, he doesn't take a hero's journey. Because he doesn't learn anything. No, he's the same character literally he's at the, the beginning. the exact same character from the beginning that he is at the end. Um, and in fact, when they originally did the, when, when they first did the movie, the original ending was he gets back together with knives. That's the ending in the books too. Yeah. No, it's not. It is no. not the ending. It's not the no. Nice. As a matter of fact, when they, when they wrote the script, they didn't have like. There, there wasn't an ending. There yet. wasn't an ending uh, to the books. Yeah. And so the original ending that and this is a like not a spoiler because it's not actually the ending of the books but if you read the books the original ending that brian lee o'malley had was that scott was going to end up alone which would have been uh, more appropriate i think yeah of course and then, and then uh but uh edgar and company felt like they needed uh, a better ending so they sort of worked it out so that knives was going to be uh he's going to end up with knives yeah um and so and then they changed it afterwards because they were like, well, uh, that didn't work in, in, in their test groups. Right. And plus, it just didn't feel like, you know, Scott goes through all this effort. Yeah. And at the end, it just, it doesn't, he doesn't get the girl. That just seems weird. So, um, plus, I think it's, I think it's perfect the way it is because Knives tells him straight up, I'm too good. I'm too cool for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was about to say knives is far too cool for Scott. She's um, right, and it's true because Ramona's got—I mean, not necessarily she's got baggage herself. So in some ways, they are perfect for each other. Yeah, I think Ramona's last name was originally Samsonite with all the baggage that she had. Um, <laughs> the reason why this movie changed for me over time is the same reason that all of Edgar Wright's movies changed with me over time. He put such detail into these movies he puts so much little things into the movie that you have to watch it two or three times yeah. to catch 80 percent. it's the rewatch value is the rewatch value is extremely winter and it's uh it, it, it's not unlike and i'm 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 sorry in advance for all of the nasty comments that y'all are going to get uh the rewatchability is very akin to the princess bride uh, I could in, see that, yeah. Yeah, in that the more you see it, the more you establish uh, uh, an enjoyment with a particular character, uh, the more you, you suddenly go, oh, that's a callback to earlier. That's, you know, things things that you didn't catch before, you catch much, much later. 
um, almost to a point where it's like, when it hits you, you're like, oh my God, why didn't I notice that before? Why didn't I see that before? Scott Pilgrim establishes what kind of character he is at the very beginning. His t-shirt says zero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you consider the fact that all of the other X's clearly show what number they are in the order. Oh yeah, exactly. In multiple different ways too. Yes. It's, pre- it's pretty awesome how they did that. Yeah. But it, it's something that if you're not looking for it, you'll completely miss it. Plus there's the fact that you've got, uh, this is a cast that can't be duplicated right now. Not for the budget they had. Oh God, no. And no, they have, no. look, let's be clear. This is the biggest budget that Edgar Wright ever had and probably ever will have. Yes, because this movie bombed. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but even with that budget, um, yeah, you couldn't get this cast back together. Yeah. I mean, half of them are Marvel, are in the MCU, right? Like, <laughs> and the other half Sometimes soon will twice. be. So. Um, <laughs> the other soon will be, right? <laughs> Anna Kendrick's um, going to make an amazing thing. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, wow. No, but you, I mean, you look at it, I mean, you've got Anna Kendrick as, as, uh, uh, Stacy, uh, Scott's, Scott's younger sister. Right. Um, How does she do that with her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> phrasing. Um, they, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, you, you've got, uh, her, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Evans, Brie, uh, uh, what is it, Brie Larson? Brie Larson, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, As the girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got uh, uh, Brandon Routh, Superman. Um, you have... Chris so, Evans? Yeah, Chris Evans, Human Torch America. Um, <clears throat> all of these, uh, Jason Schwartzman. And that was one of the big things for me. That was another thing that I didn't click with, because it's one thing to not like Michael Sarah. It's another to not like Jason Schwartzman either. No, I know. I'm the and same, I I'm went the same in boat. going, oh, it's both of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like Rushmore meets Arrested Development. And it's just going to suck. And it didn't. Um, it's it's also, uh, you know, the, the last name Culkin actually has bad connotations. Yes. Too, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He's, my, he's the first likable character in the movie. Yes. Yeah. He, is the first likable character in the movie. Um, and if you think about it, course, he was... he's got his own agenda, too. Of course. So. But he's the one who inspires, you know, each time, you know, he goes, Scott goes to fight. He yells, fight! Fight! And <laughs> that Scott's like, ding! Her in the balls. Exactly. <laughs> uh, his uh, heckling of the, of, the, of, of the first band. Yes, is is wonderful because I I think everybody at some point in time has been to that show. He he heckles everybody throughout the, spectacularly Scott throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, and uh, he is such a dirty whore. He makes Darren look kind of clean. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. So we'll wait for. Uh, I don't know if that's something that we want to uh, you know make mention of during Pride Month. Uh, but <laughs> but at one time you. Um, he had two other guys in bed with him other than scott well you know it was you know it's a canadian hotel it's you know exactly. um this movie is I, I i love the fact that it it when you watch it and they make reference to the fact that it's all taking place in canada you kind of sit there there's a part of you that especially for me as a stereotypical southern white boy you kind of sit there and go yeah that's kind of how i picture canada 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love because I love it when he's talking to Ramona. It's like, yeah, this is uh, this is April in Toronto. It's yeah. like, <laughs> well, it's one of the few movies that's filmed in Toronto that was filmed in Toronto that actually takes place in Toronto. Yes, uh, and and it really uh, for those people who know Toronto, it really has a feeling of Toronto. Like they bring out like a lot of uh, aspects and 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 things uh, that most Torontons like really are familiar. But nobody else in the world is. Oh, so. pizza, pizza, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. it's pretty cool. Casa Loma. Yep. Uh, so the first time I saw Casa Loma on the screen, big screen, I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty awesome." Um. So, uh, so we've talked about Scott a little bit as far as you know, he's not that likable. No. Um, and, and but yet he's the guy, and I will say, I think to your point, Mike one of the reasons why I think the movie really kicks in once you get the first X evil X, sorry, uh, that appears uh, during the band is that we actually see Scott do something like, I mean, I think you're surprised that he's a good fighter, like not just a good fighter, but that he can win, like, because he's given you nothing from that moment uh, up until that moment to, to, to think he could do anything. No, you, uh, okay. there, there is no way that you, you think he's just a lump, pretty much. Hell, he's the ultimate living in his parents' basement, pretty much. If oh, across across the street. Street. Yeah, yeah, well, but still. <laughs> but still, it's, and it's, he's, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have, you know, it, anything. He has no dating. ambition. No. But he, all he does is play bass. That's it. In the band. Yeah. That's it. In a, in a crappy band. Yeah. Hey, 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 that's sex bomb to you. <laughs> sex bomb, right. Exactly. <laughs> One, two, three. Sorry. Uh, um, all right, but some of the other characters. Let's talk about, uh, we haven't mentioned Ramona much. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona, the um, dream girl of Scott's. Um, uh, I would think that a plot line, of course, that, you know, depends on, a guy going for his dream girl, the dream girl would have to be somebody special. I think Mary does a a great job of of playing Ramona, but she's obviously, you know, not the perfect woman, right? Oh, no. No. What did you you think of Ramona? Sorry, buddy. No, go ahead. Yeah. um, I think this type of character would be easy to objectify if uh, the like director and screenwriter weren't ca- were careful. But as you go throughout the film, Scott kind of starts out idolizing her, but then later she becomes this more human person. Like she seems like mysterious and cool, but she's got this human and vulnerable side to her too. So, and she's never just like a prize to be won. Like she could barely, she could defeat the evil exes on her own if that was the way like the rules of the game worked. So I really appreciated that they gave some depth to that character there and she could kind of stand on her own. I do kind of wish that she and Scott hadn't ended up together at the end of the film. I think it would have been interesting if they just kind of parted as friends and been like, we both learned something from each other. Thank you for that time. But um, yeah, I, I did think that it was interesting to watch the uh, interplay between those characters although like knives i thought that ramona was also too scott too cool for scott so it's like girl you can do better but <laughs> well we'd seen her history 
That's yeah. true. Yes, there are some dicey yeah. characters in that yeah. lineup. When, oh. and when she said, look, when she says, you know, that Scott's the nicest uh, boyfriend that she's ever had, it's it's a low bar. Yeah, wow. it's like, whew, yeah. man. <laughs> well, and that's what I love, you know, the one scene where, you know, they kind of had their little bit of argument and says, well, you're now an ass also. And if you saw, he had a, a shirt that said four and a half on it. So mm-hmm. he was he was kind of on his way to become an evil ex. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So another one of those little things that Edgar Wright puts in there. Um, I like the fact that, uh, and, and again, it speaks a lot about Scott, some of the things that she does. Um, like the fact that she uses his mind and his dreams uh, as a shortcut because there's nothing in the way. <laughs> and it just, you know, you sit there and go, oh, okay. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, from a something uh, year old guy perspective, um, I thought she was uh, stunning. Oh, especially her and, eyes. Yeah, I just uh, I, she's, a, she's a beautiful woman. She's a yes. very a tremendous actress. Um, she's done a lot of great stuff, and but this one is is clearly her most popular role for a movie that made no money. Um, and I, I just I think that in the film. I, I recently read something that makes a whole lot of sense to me, and I'm, I'm going back and looking at, at other films now. Um, it is very, very difficult for a male writer to properly write a well-developed female character. Um, they are usually either built to be the prize to be won or the the victim Im, the victim or the empowered who doesn't need to be saved and can do it all on their own find traits but you need something built around them um ramona is is built as a truly flawed character who at first doesn't really want anything to do with, with Scott as far as a relationship goes. No. And then kind of, well, I'll give him a chance. And it winds up that he is a nice guy up until, you know, opponent number four. Um, <clears throat> and that is a, again, a, a spectacular reference, uh, Mike, good catch. Um, uh, and then we realized that, yeah, he's probably just like everybody else. He's not seeing Ramona as a person on her own this is a very similar kind of in a way that uh that uh um joey lauren adams is seen in chasing amy oh very much so there's a lot of similarities to the characters yeah i I think that by that same token and of course you know considering the fact that jason schwartzman's character is a hundred percent seeing her as nothing but a prize to be had, it it becomes that same sort of uh, of of issue, um, but I, I think overall, I th- I would have liked to have seen her sit there and go, listen, you know, Scott, here's my number. If you grow up, yeah, call mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I need to be where I'm not being pursued, where someone can just you know like me for me. And and go from there. I think that would have been a more interesting 
uh, uh, finish for me. That's right. not to say that, you know, it was very possible that if they had that ending, we would not be talking about it now. That's true. Um, and the phone number wouldn't have had the X's underneath the phone. Yeah, yeah. The seven number X's, that the is. Seven kisses? Uh, no. The, only, the, no. Other, the other aspect about uh, Scott's T-shirts that's fun to watch is that every time Ramona changes her hair color, Scott changes his uh, hair color, his T-shirt color to match. Yep. Yep. Um, hmm. so, uh, so throughout the film, he's always wearing a matching t-shirt, uh, color. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I, I'm not as hard on, on, on that. I, I do think that, uh, that Scott and Ramona come to an understanding at the end, uh, yeah. the scene where he's dead and she visits him and they kind of have it out and they have that talk. I really think, uh, you know, it helps with the end. I do think that the producers on purpose, this is not so much in the books. So I, I blame it on, well, I, I, yeah, it is the Edgar Wright and company. They really make knives, especially in the last act where she's fighting alongside Scott against Gideon. Like it seems like they're a a great couple Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen in the books. Uh, So they're really kind of, like leaning towards the fact that those two are getting together, knowing what the original outcome was. So when they pulled the, when they switched it up at the end, I think you still have that kind of thing at the, at the end where you see the two of them fighting, like it should have been Ramona and Scott fighting Gideon at the end. I think Mm. that would have to me made more sense. I mean, uh, especially since, you know, Ramona seemed to be uh, enslaved by him. Mm-hmm. You know, like she, should... especially the chip on the back of her neck. Exactly. He, he tends to get under her skin. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She, uh, she should have been more. Uh, I think, um, you know, a more of a deciding factor in her own freedom. I think. Um, yeah, I think that that would have helped that storyline if it was going to, you know, go there. I think. And um, I think if you'd had that, you would have also the the ending with him staying, getting to stay with Ramona, would yeah. have made yes. a little more sense. Agreed. Yes. Um, also for those, uh, interested in the books, like I said, I'm not going to give away too much, but I will say, um, it's six volumes and they go into a lot more detail about all the characters. Uh, and there's a subplot too, where Kim, uh, we get a lot more, like it almost becomes, um, you know, is Scott going to choose Ramona, Kim or Knives? Uh, Kim becomes much more, uh, she's much more prevalent in the, in the books um as it is she's just amazing in in the movie (laughs) may may whitman is wonderful in this film um she gives uh her character really is the chance for the audience to give their feedback in the film Mm because a lot of the things that she says and does regarding scott are the exact same things that we're doing going oh you must be kidding I mean scum of the earth I mean you could argue that there's not a likable person here that you would want to hang out with um, uh, in a lot of ways uh, uh, because even the people that don't like Scott you're kind of like I don't like them either yeah apologies uh, I meant to say Allison Pill yeah uh, I was going to uh, say May, Whit- May Whitman was uh, evil X number four yeah. yes all right, let's get into the evil X's. Uh, uh, Ashley, do you have a favorite evil X? Oh my gosh. Um, anytime Chris Evans kind of gets to play against type, I think is incredibly entertaining. That's why I love so much, spoiler alert, that he was the villain at the end of Knives Out. It's just so fun 
to see him kind of play the opposite of a hero and as this like super buff intense action hero was just really funny I also liked seeing uh, Brandon Routh in a villain role because he is like, he's so nice as Ray Palmer. He's so nice as Superman. And then he's just a jerk here. So it's, it's fun to see actors. A super with- vegan jerk. Remember? Yes. yes. Yeah, I was about to say, he's not isn't, a jerk. He's isn't a that a redundancy though? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, it's, and you can tell like they're having a good time. Like it's fun. This short role but they really make a lot with it and it's really entertaining. So I thought each of the evil exes had something that made them special and entertaining to watch. And it's always kind of fun and exciting to think, Oh man, he's defeated one. Who's going to be coming up next. Alex. Uh, It's gotta be Brandon Ralph's whole series. Um, First of all, an amazing performance by Brie Larson. Oh yeah. uh, Who actually does sing that song. I didn't even know before that I saw this that she could sing. Yeah, it turns out a good she, voice. She, she started off her career as a pop singer. Yeah, she was I a pop singer. Like so, a yeah, I, like I had no idea either. Britney Spears wannabes kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have that. We have the whole situation where, because like Scott starts the fight first and like charges over to, to hit uh, uh, Ralph uh, after, uh, after, oh, after he slaps the dye out of Knives' hair. Yeah. Slaps her so he hard hit her so hard. Yeah. yeah. Um and, and he goes to fight and and they, you know, he can't because of the awesome vegan powers. Um, but the the fact that you know, yeah, it's it's Michael Sarah fighting Superman mm-hmm. uh, for me at that point. And who comes along but the Punisher? Yep. Because yep. Thomas Jane uh, and Clifton Collins Jr., a wonderful actor and good friend. Yeah, uh, he's not a good friend. He took a photo of me once. Uh, <laughs> it counts. Um, it counts. He liked my kilt. They want to take a photo because of that. Big with fans of Westworld. Yep. Um, also was in uh, the first uh, Abrams Star Trek movie and sure. and uh, uh, Pacific Rim, which he signed my copy of. Yep. Um, he's uh, a, a tremendous actor, and they're in it for like what a minute and a half. The great thing about those two characters, they're the only two characters who are over the age of thirty in this filming. <laughs> probably yeah yeah um but uh that that whole sequence uh is because first we have a base off um and then we've got you know the, their their battle they do their thing uh the vegan police show up um and uh chicken for, parmesan for, is not not vegan, vegan? yeah <laughs> is not vegan it's milk and eggs buddy um you know it's 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 just great sequence there it's it's done very fast um and, and that one's that one's enjoyable i think between that one and fight number oh i was gonna say fight number four but it occurs to me that fight five and six done at the exact same time is wonderful because they turned their amps up to 11 oh big time oh my god and it's a nice homage to uh to spinal spinal tap, tap. See, I think I just think all of them are, are great, and I love uh, how they took out the twins. It was just awesome. Yeah, that that scene right there probably is the most anime scene. The, that fight scene is the most anime fight scene of the whole movie. I think. Yeah. Well, it's still uh, actual it, animation in it. It's uh, you know, it's a uh, battle of the bands, <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? Oh. All the fights were just amazing, but I'm going to have to agree, you know, 
the battle with uh, Brandon was just awesome. He he was he was all powerful vegan man, and I just love it. And you know, just from you know how high and mighty he was sitting there, and they were talking all at Scott. And when knives tried to come into it, and he was like, "We're not talking to you," you know, it's like, and that's I've met so many celebrities <laughs> that are like that, and it's just like okay. Yeah. Exact, and you know, I think we've interviewed a few of them here on the podcast. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was interesting, and I loved that. Um, the Jason Schwartzman stuff, I could have done without. You know, he has the personality of a grape, and so I just, you know, him and Michael were fighting against each other. Was like, <laughs> I, I would have rather seen the battle with him and uh, Nega Scott more than yeah, you know, that would have been fun than anything but yeah i thought it was i and i love the girl fight with ramona and yeah. her evil ex her, uh, her ramona's only real good really good fighting sequence oh yeah which yeah. was awesome yeah. you know because i don't the fight between her and knives wasn't you know all that great yeah but what i love about the, the that fight with uh, the girl fight is that uh she's like you can fight me all you want but Scott's the one that's going to have to defeat me. And he's like, I don't think I can hit a girl. So then Ramona like uses him to fight her. And it's just so yeah. funny. Exactly. It, and, and again, it, it shows just what kind of person Scott is. Scott wasn't going to hit. He wasn't going to fight. Ramona had to make him do the moves. Well, mm-hmm. if you think about it, Scott did not make one decision of his own during the no, school day. Everyone had to make every decision for him. Yeah. He, he was literally a slug. No, he, he affects. He affects. He does affect. affect. I will argue that he decides to go after Ramona. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, but tells, nobody tells him to do that. Yeah. It doesn't matter the reason. He makes that decision. You know, I definitely want the powers of Julie Power, so. I really do. <laughs> so, so I could have the black box over my mouth sometimes. <laughs> 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 Um. Yeah. Best one uh, was at the coffee shop. Coffee for. <laughs> <power>. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think. Uh, I think Jason Swordman is perfectly cast as Gideon because you're not supposed to like Gideon, and I don't like. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. It works for me. It's um, a total slime thing. But yeah, um, I, I say uh, as far as the X's goes, obviously, I think um, uh, Lucas Lee, uh, you know, with Chris Evans. That that performance only gets better now. Like mm-hmm. seeing him play, like now that he's played Captain America multiple times and is known for that, like this is even better now. <laughs> yeah, now that he is an action hero, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly because him is kept as the Human Torch. This character actually was very close to the same character. Yeah, yeah. They actually the first thing that they shot actually they the, the first thing that they ever shot for the movie was the uh the sort of scene of lucas lee in his that clip that we see on the screen where he's mm. in the phone booth yeah. and he's like you know the first click you hear is going to be me hanging up the next click you hear is going to be the, when i pull the trigger like, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful and chris just nails it like that's just i mean he's so good he's so good uh um and, and that fight skateboard that fight's great, except I think the it's disappointing in the end because Scott doesn't really defeat him. He just kind of, you well, know. he he talks him into defeating himself pretty much. Yeah. He preys on his ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, uh, so overall, um, this is a movie, uh, it's interesting because it seems like, you know, at least two of you went in and not really appreciating it at the beginning. Now you like it, but I'm kind of wondering where it stands with you now. Is it, uh, why do you, how do you feel about Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Is it something that you recommend? Is it something you want to see again? Uh, you know, as far as Edgar Wright, he's gone on and he hasn't really done too much more than after this. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, he had that, all that, those problems with Ant-Man that actually got him removed. Um, I ended up doing baby driver, which I think is an amazing movie as well. It is. Uh, uh, I know he's working on something now, obviously the movie, like this movie took almost over two years to make. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you can see why, because of all the attention. And one thing I love about it too, is that it's this mix of practical and computer effects that really works. I think it's not all, you know, now if this were made, it'd be all CG. Right. And it, I think it would take something out of it. Um, but uh, what do you think is, you know, the legacy or you personally is the legacy of this movie? Um, Ashley? I would definitely encourage people to give it a try, even if you don't think it's your particular thing and just go in with an open mind and watch it. It's interesting to see how much, of course, the film industry has changed over the past 10 years and to see what little elements of this movie you might find in other movies today. Like I said before, it's not necessarily my favorite Edgar Wright movie. I like the Cornetto trilogy and Baby Driver a lot more, but I did go from hating this movie to enjoying this movie. So I think that's a nice redemption story there. So I would watch, I would actually watch it again at this point. I so. do. I wanted to, it got me so curious now. I'm like, does she hate other movies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't hate too many, but. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's a, opens up a whole new door for me. Um, uh, Alex, what about you? Uh, yeah, this is a movie that's just a lot of fun. Um, the first time, you know, I, I went into it, I went and did a movie crawl. Uh, I'm not even sure we were like planning on it. It was one of those cases where we kind of showed up and went, well, this one's showing at this time. This one's showing at this time. Um, I think we may have missed the showing of, uh, of the expendables. So it's like, well, we'll go see this one and then we'll go see the other one. So, um, you know, I went in with, with no real concept and having, and I enjoyed it. It was enough for me to sit there and go, yeah, I'll watch it again. Um, and and after seeing it, <clears throat> I've, I've seen it probably five or six times now. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy the movie. I love how much Edgar put into it. Uh, I think the cast is phenomenal. Um, I absolutely would recommend it. I think a lot of, I, I you know, a lot of people should see this movie um, just to be thoroughly entertained by it. Um, it's, it's, I've I've used the the term on here a lot, funnel cake entertainment, uh, where it's there's a lot to go into your system that you enjoy when it happens, and then afterwards you feel nothing. This is not one of those cases. Sure. This is you one that you, for a second. I was going to no, say no, no, what? no, this, this, no, this is not one of those cases. This is the <laughs> you just going to scare opposite. me there for a second. <laughs> this is this is one of those times where you, you see a movie, and, and you really take the time to digest it, and you see just what kind of a genius. Uh, Edgar Wright is when given the opportunity and I'm sure somewhere right now there's a petition to make Disney plus do you know the Edgar Wright kind of Ant-Man um, 
<laughs> release wow. the Edgar Wright cut. <laughs> release the Edgar Wright cut. Release the Edgar Wright cut. Um, you know. I, I like I like re- I like watching or rewatching Ant Man and trying to figure out okay is that an Edgar Wright thing or not because there are some things in there that are definitely yes. like Edgar Wright things. That uh, I I do the same thing with uh, with Back to the Future and try to figure out if the arm <laughs> is Eric Stoltz or not. Um. So wow. I know it's a deep cut. Wow. <laughs> uh Mike, what about you? For me, you know, this movie holds up and in some ways knowing a lot of these actors even more so now than we did then, it's just, you know, it's awesome to see, you know, watching it's almost like a memory like, oh, this is before they were famous, blah 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 type thing and I really enjoy it. And this movie does kind of, you know, touch to different generations. It touches to the gamers. It touches to the people who like anime. This touches to, you know, geekdom all across the board. And it is a lot of fun. And it deserves cult status, which it has now. And, you know, I'd like, you know... Mike Gordon and I were talking off the air that, you know, they had talked about doing a 10th anniversary uh, movie release of this at the Mm -hmm. theaters, but I don't think that's going to happen now because, you know, who knows if movie theaters will be open by August. So it'll it'll just be interesting to see, but, you know, I'm really impressed with how much it holds up, you know, like I was watching it on Saturday and Judy walked in, Oh, Scott Pilgrim. Enjoy. You know, type thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, admittedly, I told my wife I was going to be recording this show. And she's like, why are y'all talking about Scott Pilgrim? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you know, but I, I, I tend to, I, I'm going to compliment the movie by disagreeing with Mike. I don't think the movie holds up. I think it actually gets better. Uh, the more it ages, the better the film gets. Oh, it does. Because also, each time I see it, I see more and more and more. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Like the final battle scene, you know, when he's has the sword and he's slicing up the 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 assistants or whatever they are, and each one of them is a body shape full of coins and everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's just awesome. You know, you just little things you don't notice. It's just it's just tons of fun. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. I think, uh, ironically enough, if they did release it, re-release it for a 10th anniversary, I think it would make more money than it did the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly couldn't make less. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I know I would be there. Because, um, yeah, the opportunity to see this again on the big screen, I, I would be all over that. Um, I love this movie because of a lot everything that you guys have mentioned, the performances, uh, the story itself. Uh, that uh, Brian Lee O'Malley put together, the characters, um, the effects, the fight scenes, the the amazing genius that is Edgar Wright that I think is, you know, a shame that we don't, haven't seen more of. The music. Uh, the music. We haven't even talked about the music, Allie. The oh, music my God. Is amazing. Uh, yeah. One of the, the best soundtracks. That, the, the fact that uh, all of the Sex bob songs were written by uh, Beck, uh, most of them were performed by the actual uh, folks in the movie, even yep. though some of them had never picked up an instrument before. Um, the making of this movie is just about as interesting as the movie itself in terms of uh, reading about it and watching stuff. So I recommend that. 
Um, but also I will say like, and you know, I know we've talked that we've, you know, talked about some of the characters not being likable, whatever. There are times when this movie, to me, I think this is the, this is what gives me, uh, gives it a five star for me is that there are scenes where between some of the characters that feel like legit, they're not just like, this is not just a fun action movie. Like if you took all that away, like, I think you'd still have these character moments that just feel real and feel like something from the heart and and yeah it's messy um and it's not perfect as far as the relationships go but they they feel honest and true and um i I really connected with it on that front um you know for all the nonsense of the 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 evil exes you know the actual um scenes with scott and and Ramona and Knives and you know some of the other characters or whatever just felt like something that um, you know that felt true to me and this movie has an energy that really feels like it makes me feel young again when I watch this Um, you know uh, I was you know 40 something when I first saw this so I, I you know I mean you know, and I could have, I could easily see where people could watch this and go, oh, that's a movie about like stupid millennials, you know? Um, and sure, you know, that, that you could argue that, but I don't feel that way. I think that uh, the, the characters there are, are, are interesting in and of themselves. So, um, so, you know, we'll see how we feel like when we celebrate its 20th anniversary, right? Like it should get better, right? We'll, we'll see if uh, it moves up another notch on, on, on Ashley's scale. Uh, <laughs> it'll be my favorite Edgar Wright movie of all time. Yeah. Exactly, it'd be great for her to celebrate her thirtieth birthday. That oh, way. hey, <laughs> it'll be a little more than that, unfortunately. All right, well, uh, appreciate it again as always, and uh, we'll be right back um, after this this message or this segment, and uh, we'll close up. Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about the Haunted Mansion book series, the first book, The Fearsome Foursome. I've been doing a lot of my backlog reading recently, and I enjoy a lot of different books, including YA. The Haunted Mansion being my favorite ride at Disney, I had to pick up the book series they've written with it in mind and read it. I've made my way through the first book, and I will do my best to give you guys a fun review while not spoiling too much of it, so if you want to check it out, or even purchase it for a young reader who may enjoy it. First off, these books are really pretty. They have a creepy old look to them. The pages are cut uneven, so they have that old-timey ghost story book feel, and the overall presentation of them is just super fun to look at. The... Story of the first book follows a group of four teens who are part of a ghost story group called the Fearsome Foursome, hence the name of the book. They each tell ghost stories to each other, and in the book, they lose their space where they tell their ghost stories at, and they end up getting invited to a spooky mansion to tell their stories. And when they arrive, the librarian of the library in the Haunted Mansion tell them each a story about each of them. And tries to scare them. He kind of says, hey, I can tell you guys a story that'll scare you a whole bunch. And he ends up going through telling each character's story. 
Now, these stories are cheesy. They're really, really fun, but they have that old school spooky stories feel that when I read them as a kid, I feel like this would have been something I would have read when I was younger because it kind of gave me that feeling I had when I was a little kid reading Goosebumps. Now, the book is a really fun read for adults and younger readers. You know, if you want to just have a nice, fun story that's not super crazy in depth, the characters are interesting, and the setting is, of course, super fun because it's the Haunted Mansion. My only thing that really annoyed me about the books was the fact that the storyteller kept breaking, like, the third wall. He kept talking to the actual reader. You. And that really threw me off because it just kind of messed with my concentration of actually enjoying the story. It took me away from the place where I was. So that was the only thing that really bugged me about the book. But I would totally suggest these fun stories if you want a good read or if you think you know someone else who would really enjoy these. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the earth station one podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here. You're going to actually be with us for quite some time over the next few weeks now. So get used to these. We guess we should make them official co-hosts or something. So yeah, a a lot of movies coming up. None of them new. Exactly. (laughs) Well, like Mike had mentioned earlier, this was the week we were supposed to review Wonder Woman 84. No, it's it's summer movie season, so we're going to do some movies in the summer. Movies. So it should be a lot of fun. (laughs) All right, Alex. Thank you so much as always. It's always a pleasure. Um, Thank you so much for for having me on for this one. Uh, It's just a nice throwback and uh, just the chance to, to talk about cool stuff like this one, especially a movie like this one. Uh, is uh, just a lot of fun. Oh, it is a lot of fun, and it's always great to talk with you guys because you guys, it's neat seeing the insight, especially for you know you and Ashley, who was like ten when it was out, so it was perfect. <laughs> I was little older than that. seven and three quarters, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or was it the four and a half when Scott shared? There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had to sit on another small child's shoulders and wear a trench coat to get into the yes, theater. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Anything you want about shout out about, sir? I want to mention uh, a wonderful film series. I've mentioned it on here before, especially when talking about movies like this. Um, film Joy is a YouTube channel uh, with a, a segment called Movies with Mikey. And uh, Mikey Newman uh, was a he was a game uh, writer and producer, and wound up turning to this and making this his living which is pretty amazing, but he does a phenomenal video essay on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that people check that out. Um, if you enjoyed us for talking about it, um, watch Mikey dive real deep uh, into Edgar Wright's uh, comic book masterpiece. 
Very much so. And Ashley, of course, we love teasing you. It's perfect. That's all right. I come to expect it. Sometimes I unfortunately open the door for myself, so I deserve it. <laughs> yeah, just look for the uh, young Todd version of... <laughs> 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 careful, careful! Now we've realized. Now we've just found out she has a hate list. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's super top secret, so I, like, I can't spoil my brand. I Man, can't. we need to have a whole episode of just the movies Ashley hates. <laughs> like I am so into that episode. Well, so, <laughs> I, I, so our I, I, upcoming I, schedule is. I, you know what? I like the idea of just like playing it as a minefield. We just don't know when we're going to step on. No, uh, exactly. It's just a surprise. I, I hate exactly. mine when it Ashley. might just come up. <laughs> <laughs> so there, we know there's a mind somewhere in the next four squares around us somewhere. <laughs> okay, Ashley, anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, um, tonight I just wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite actors, uh, John Boyega, on a little more serious note. Um, I love Star Wars. It's my favorite franchise, and uh, Finn is one of my favorite Star Wars characters, but John Boyega not only plays a resistance hero in the film, he is a resistance hero in real life, and he has been out joining protests, speaking out, raising awareness about um, institutional racism, and I am just so proud of him and humbled to see that such a powerful actor is using his platform to save lives and um, raise awareness. So I just want to give a shout out to him and that um, as a Star Wars fan, I stand with him. So I hope that we all look out and support him in whatever role he does next. And I wish him the best in his career. And I hope that people will listen to his voice. Very well said. No, I have to piggyback on that actually, because that was going to be my shout out anyway, was talking about, you know, the protesters and people speaking their minds and, you know, taking a stand and, you know, we're fully behind you guys. We, all of us here, um, not speaking for, you know, out of turn, because I know how pretty much everyone thinks here on who's on the show tonight, that we are all behind these people, you know, who are doing the peaceful protesting, standing up for, you know, not just, you know, black like matters, just police brutality, you know, is getting ridiculous. And we've have friends who've been injured. We've no friends of friends, family members, and this, and they're all protesting peacefully. And this is just, it's ridiculous. And think I'm seeing things that I would never thought I would see in my lifetime. And Behind, we've been beside and in front. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, it's just crazy. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, amazed to do it and i'm also amazed at the outpouring of people coming out and you know standing along side by side shoulder to shoulder and it's just like okay 2020 what's next <laughs> so it's just you know people if you get a chance and you know we might even have a link up to this to place to you know send you know donations you know i'm not even going to promote the patreon this week because there's better things right now to put money out there for you know to put money out towards bail money for some of these protesters who are being arrested just for standing there and you know holding up a sign or getting beat up because of that and that's just ridiculous. pepper sprayed and, yeah 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 exactly and this is it's just ridiculous you know 
I've just, the stories I've heard or that I've seen, and it's just, it's just, it's incredible, you know, and you are really seeing where your friends stand in this too. And that's the heartbreaking part about this. And I'm just, I'm just amazed about it and sorry to be going long winded on this, but it's just something that needs to be said. And, you know, we don't do a lot of politics on the show, but we have to do something about this and say something. It'd be wrong for us not to say something. What do you got, Alex? I was just going to say, uh, just to piggyback on this, um, I, I saw a wonderful quote. Um, if you are saying um, it, it's a shame that uh, a, a black person died um, by the police, but we really need to do something about this looting, and you're not saying it the other way around, that it's you know it's a shame there was some looting, but we've got to do something about these black people being these innocent black people being killed by police. Mm-hmm then maybe we collectively need to rethink the way that we think. Exactly. No, it's sometimes you have to do some soul searching that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everything. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it, it's fun to have fun, geeky conversations, but sometimes you need to look at yourself in the mirror and things are going around on around us that aren't just going to be temporary folks. I think this there's something that feels different about it this time. Mm-hmm. We've had other protests. We've had other things. There just seems something really, really wrong about what's going on. But you're seeing a lot of good coming out of it too, which is awesome. So that's just me. Okay, Mikey, what do you got to shout out about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Ball's in your court, Mike Gordon. <laughs> wow. Uh <laughs> Dude, um, look, um, you know, as always, it's my pleasure to be on this show. It's my pleasure to hang out with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been rough, uh, you know, this year in particular, but, you know, this past, these past couple of weeks. Um, so I don't want to, I, I, cause I'll go off, you know, I'll go off and, uh, you know, um, I'm not the one right now that people want to hear from. So, uh, I'm just gonna, um, offer my support, uh, you know, to, um, to the, the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, and leave it there. And there's plenty of resources that you can use to get educated and to find out more information about that, um, uh, better than I can. So, um, yeah, we'll just leave it there. No, I agree completely. All right. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know, how are you guys doing? How are you guys holding up? Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear and see how you're doing. You know, even if it's just to say, hey, Mike and Mike, we're doing okay. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, We will be back again next week. We're doing another classic movie review. This time we're looking at Raising Arizona. But, you know, it should be a lot of fun. And maybe bring up some spirits a little bit because even in the times like this, you do sometimes need a little ha ha wah wah, you know, type thing. And raising Arizona definitely does that for you. So definitely should be fun to see if it's on Ashley's hate list and such. So it should be cool. (laughs) Who knows? Who can say? Exactly. So we will see you all next week here on Earth station one. Stay safe, peace. And we love you. And we're done. Boom.
You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.